Good morning. Um, this morning's reading is from Luke 5, uh, chapters 1 to 11. It can be found in your church Bibles on page 1032, and it'll probably also be up on the screen as well. So that's uh, 1032 in your church Bibles. Jesus calls his first disciples. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Johnny. Let's just pray. Father, as we look at this familiar passage known to many of us this morning, we pray that you would just reveal yourself through these words of your scripture. Speak to us, fill us with your spirit. Help us to receive your word the way you intended to be heard. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not uh, a fisherman. Um, if you're a fisherman here this morning, God bless you. But I personally don't have the patience to sit on the bank of a river or anywhere else for that matter for three hours on end and not catch anything except boredom. Um, but that's, that's me. I do other hobbies that I enjoy. And if you like fishing, God bless you. But I was just, as Johnny was reading that, that passage, uh, I just thought something worse than not catching any fish when you go fishing must be actually, I don't know if you've ever been in a harbor, a fishing harbor, uh, and seen fishing nets. Imagine having to clean fishing nets. I can, that's, that must be a horrible job. I don't know if there's any different way of cleaning fishing nets nowadays. I don't know. But um, when you see all those little bits of seaweed and other bits of things around nets, it must have been a difficult job. But anyway, enough of that nonsense for them this morning. Up to this point, uh, Peter, he was called Simon in this, but he, he became Peter, so I'm going to call him Peter. He only had a casual relationship with Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He had been in his company. And if you go back to the previous chapter, Luke chapter 4, verse 32, we see that Jesus actually came and healed Peter's mother-in-law. It's probably only a few weeks, it's, it's hard to work out the length of time, but probably only a few weeks since 
Jesus first met Peter. And then if you go to the Gospel of John, it tells us that Peter had first been introduced to Jesus by his brother Andrew. You may remember that story. So up to this point, you could say that Peter's relationship with Jesus was casual. It was probably uncommitted. Uh, I can I can picture Peter listening to um, to Jesus as he spoke on various occasions. I'm sure that he he obviously called on Jesus to come and heal his mother-in-law, and also if Jesus had a need of anything, Peter was willing to oblige because in this story. I can imagine the crowds were crowding in around Jesus as he was teaching. And so Jesus asked, could he borrow one of the boats? And they pushed out a little bit from the shore so Jesus could speak to uh, the crowds. In the story that we've just read, it's been a rough night. The guys have been out fishing all night. They're there sitting on the shore It would be one thing cleaning your nets after catching a big catch of fish, but cleaning your nets after catching nothing. And then, as I said, the crowd gathered and Jesus began to speak. The gathering was getting too big and so he gets into into Peter's boat and he pushes out into the lake. So Peter here is more than happy to oblige. I don't know how long Jesus preached for, but... The crowds then eventually departed and they went home. It's now about midday. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, Take your boat out into the deep water and let down your net. I want you to put yourself into Peter's shoes for a minute. Can you imagine you've been fishing all night, you've caught nothing, you've been, you've been cleaning nets, then you've pushed the boat out into the water because Jesus wants to preach from it. And then he tells you to let down the nets. You're tired, you've caught nothing. And Peter could give all sorts of reasons why he shouldn't do this. He could say, well, Jesus, you're not really a fisherman. You've never fished for fish. You're just a preacher. You may be a nice guy, but what do you know about fishing? Just leave that to us. We know everything about fishing. Secondly, it's the wrong time of the day to fish in those parts. And we saw this when we lived in in Uganda. It's not great to go fishing in the middle of the day um, because the fish, so I'm told anyway, I don't know, but they tell me the fish go deeper when the sun is shining. And also, Peter and his friends are tired, so why should they do what Jesus has just asked? They've been out all night. But good on Peter, he doesn't make fun of Jesus, he doesn't belittle him. And Peter says, I can just say Peter saying, well, Lord, I'm I'm tired. But because you, I've been out all night. But because you ask me, I will do it. It's funny when somebody asks you to do something, whether you do it or not. I told you I don't like fishing. But my uncle loved to fish. And I love my uncle. And when he asked me to go fishing when I was 10, 12, that sort of age, 
I would go. I never caught anything, but I would go because I just like being in his company. It's amazing when somebody asks you to do something and you like them. So anyway, the guys decide, they, 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 they do what Peter says, I will do it. He lets down the nets. And they catch so many fish, they can hardly haul the nets back up. So many fish that the net was starting to break. Peter calls the other guys in the other boat to come and help them. And they bring so much fish on board, they nearly swamp both their boats. And Peter and his friends are totally astonished at the catch of fish that they've just hauled in. And then an extraordinary thing happens. Peter falls on his knees and says, away from me, I'm a sinner. And that's when Jesus calls them to be fishers of people. And they leave their nets and follow him. They went from talking about Jesus, from talking with Jesus, to fishing with him, fishing for people. So I suppose the question I'm going to ask you, ask you today, uh-huh, yeah, that's great. He's agreeing with me that I should ask you a question. Thank you, Art, because I'm going to ask the question now. Are we going to talk about Jesus? Are we going to fish with Jesus? So are we going to talk about Jesus? And all of us will talk about Jesus probably over the cup of coffee afterwards. But are we going to fish with Jesus? That's the question Jesus put to, to Peter, Andrew, James and John. Jesus knew how they viewed him. They knew how he regarded him. They loved his teaching. But up to this day it had been all about talk. On this day, Jesus is calling them to action. Jesus challenged them to do a different kind of fishing than they'd ever done before. And when the day was done, they had to answer the question. And we see from the passage that was read to us this morning, they left their boats and followed Jesus. Over the last number of years... I have felt personally and as a church, we have not, our nets have not been as full as they should have been. And I believe the Lord has been challenging me and I believe he's challenging all of us to do some serious fishing. We've probably used the building work that we've done around here. We've possibly even used COVID as an excuse uh, for not doing enough fishing. And sometimes when we do some, some fishing, things we don't catch anything. Does that mean the fisherman doesn't go back out the next night and fish again? And I'll give you an example. Uh, it was just before COVID, we did an alpha course here. And nobody turned up. Was that a reason to not do an alpha course again? No. And we've just, well, we've concluded, but we're doing a, a Saturday. We're doing what they call the Holy Spirit Day. But it was a great success. We had lovely people there. Some of you are here uh, this morning. When something doesn't work, we don't stop. We, don't, we shouldn't make excuses. When we did the work here, the building work, what we called building for the gospel, you were incredibly generous in giving to that. 
But now, and we always need to keep our minds focused on mission. Fishing for people should be our primary work. No matter how much money we may have committed ourselves or to whatever project we have given to, they're only like bait. I can have all the fanciest boats, the fanciest equipment, the fanciest fishing rods and bait, but until I lower it into the water, it's not much use. It doesn't, that bait doesn't catch the fish. Fishermen catch fish, and we need to be fishers of people. And the focus of any church should always be about fishing for people. Church exists to bring people to Jesus Christ, to expose them to his love and to his mercy. We need to up the ante as a church. We need to be fishermen and fisherwomen. Just look at Peter before this, this experience as he was out fishing and they caught nothing that night. There was something that changed in Peter's life. Hearing the word of God, it transformed his life. Not only did Peter catch a big catch of fish, but in that moment, he caught a big vision of God. Nearly three years later, as he followed Jesus, and three years later, he was preaching. And remember, this is the same guy who denied Jesus three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. But three years later, after the Spirit had fallen on the day of Pentecost, he preached to a crowd of people, and 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. There's lessons for us to learn as a church and as individuals from, from this thing. The first thing that we need to, to learn is if we go fishing for people, the potential is vast. These guys had been fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything. Yet there was loads of fish there, but they just hadn't caught anything. There was plenty to catch. Cleaning nets was very important in those days. I'm not sure what way it works these days. But in those days, it was very important to clean your nets. But wasn't their primary occupation. Their primary occupation, of course, was to catch fish. And the primary task of the church is mission. Jesus says, put out into the deep water. And let down your nets for a catch, in verse 4. Friends, the potential is vast. There's many people. There's many people in your circle of, of influence that need to hear the message of Jesus. The second point that we learn is nothing is impossible with Jesus. Nothing is impossible. What was Peter's first reaction? It was kind of negative, wasn't it? It was kind of... Pessimistic. He said, Lord, we've, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. So you can sort of throw him, throw him his hands up and say, well, why, why would I bother? He didn't think it would work. These were experienced guys. They caught nothing. We've worked hard all night in verse 5. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And I can just see him pausing for a while and maybe Jesus is looking at him. And he says, but because you say so. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
And here is the key to that whole fishing expedition. And here is the key if you go fishing for people. In that story, Jesus made what seemed impossible possible. And in your case, he will make what seems impossible to you possible. I said to you about having an Alpha course here and nobody turned up. We had an average of 17 on the last Alpha course that we've just run. And Jesus made it possible. Uh, Some people here this morning, and they've heard me saying this, so I'm not saying something new. I told them on, on Thursday night, it was a wonderful group to be with. So Jesus makes what seems impossible, possible. Also, partnership is a great way to work. They, they signal to their partners in the other boat to come uh, and help them. And they, in verse 7 we see that they fill both boats, that both of them were so full they nearly began to sink. Partnership is the key to mission. Because partnership and unity, it's very attractive. Also we can see uh, from this passage that it's a vision worth going for. Peter's first reaction was of his own unworthiness. He says in verse 8, go away from me Lord, I am a sinful man. At the same time in verse 9, he and the other disciples were so astonished at the catch of fish. I'm sure they must have been daunted, but Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that's what he's saying to you. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishers of people. They saw it, and it was a vision worth going for, because we see in verse 11, they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. The problem for many of us is we forget why, as Christians, we exist. As important as it is to come and worship God on a Sunday morning as we gather together, as important as it is to read your Bible, as to go to Sunday school, to Bible study, or whatever, We forget what our primary objective was, what Jesus calls us to do. I heard it once said that Christians too often forget that they are supposed to be fishers of people, not keepers of the aquarium. Not that keeping the aquarium is a bad idea. You want to keep the fish alive and you don't want them to die. But keeping the aquarium is secondary to catching fish to begin with. And our primary objective is trying to win people to Jesus Otherwise, we are just talking. We are not fishing. Sometimes we start to make all sorts of excuses in our, in our head. What, what happens if I invite somebody to something and they don't turn up? Or what happens if I go and talk to somebody and they don't want to listen? Jesus didn't tell Peter to catch fish. What did he tell him? Let down your nets. Jesus was asking Peter to go fishing with him. And then Jesus supplied the fish. And Jesus is asking each one of us to go fishing with him.
we saw that the guys had been fishing all night. They hadn't caught anything. And they weren't, and I'm sure, I'm almost sure of this, Peter wasn't expecting to catch anything now because it was midday. But because Jesus asked him, he cast his net into the water. He was merely obeying Jesus. Why? Because he loved Jesus. There's a couple more things I want to focus on. Peter, something had changed him. There was something about this specific experience that turned him from merely being a casual acquaintance of Christ, as we talked about in the beginning, to being an avid follower. Was it the fact that Andrew originally had brought him to meet Jesus? No, not even after that, Peter was still just a casual follower. Was it when Jesus asked Peter to use his his boat to preach from? It was a nice thing to do, but that's what one friend would do for another. When Peter's life was changed was when he decided to obey Jesus. That's when it changed. There's an old hymn that goes. I was going to sing it, but I've done too much singing on my own this morning. Uh, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Come on, join with me than to trust and obey. The older folk know that one. The younger ones may not. That's the secret, trust and obey. But there was something more significant happened that day. Something more significant than Peter obeying and catching a boatload of fish. Something significant. It caught even the attention of his friends. Peter changed how he thought about himself. He says, I'm a sinful man. Up to that time, Peter's whole life was occupied in fishing. But now his life has changed. It's centered centered around what Jesus has asked him to do, to come and follow him. And Peter decided at that moment that he couldn't live without Jesus by his side and in his life. He realized how empty his life would be without Jesus. And so he followed him. He made that one crucial decision. And he followed Jesus and obeyed him. Many people here have decided that your goal should be to fish for people. Some of you are doing that already. Some of you haven't made maybe that decision yet. But just like Peter, you can change that one life decision by obeying Jesus. Go out into the deep water, let down your net. Talk to someone about the Lord. Let the Lord deal with the answer. He's well able to look after himself. But you tell people about the Lord. And what God has done in your life. And you'll be amazed at what's happened. And Peter, hearing the word of God, it transformed his life. He not only caught a big vision of, 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 or caught a big catch of fish, he caught a big vision of God. And I believe that God has given us a big vision here in Crinkin, which I will share with you very briefly. And some of you who were at the um, Easter AGM will have heard this already. So bear with me. Behind us... To my left, your right, and out behind me. Uh, Within the next 10 to 12 months, the the building of houses has already started. And over the next 
two to three years, there'll be 1,400 houses behind us and around us. Some will be living in there by next February or March. It's been a wasteland for many, many years now, nothing growing but weeds. Just up the road, past the cemetery, been a wasteland now for many years. 598 social houses will be lit, probably will probably begin next year. Bishop Michael Jackson said to me some months back, he said, you've either a harvest field or a desert behind you. It's up to you to make it a harvest field. If you do nothing, it'll be a desert. And so we've been praying as a vestry. We've been seeking the Lord. And not just recently, but for some years. And we have been talking and praying with different partners about a partnership in sharing the gospel with our new neighbors. And at a vestry meeting some months ago, we unanimously agreed to partner with Church Army to begin a pioneer ministry, bringing a community pastor to work alongside us in fulfilling this mission. So a proposal has gone to the church army, and they will decide um, around mid-July whether they will partner with us or not. It's looking quite good at the minute. The bishop has given us his blessing to proceed. And the community pastor would come in not to do the work of fishing, but to encourage us to join with him or her in, in bringing the good news of Jesus to others. So they'll be encouraging all of us to take part in that. You may remember that there was the first phase of the building for the gospel, which was the alterations to in here. There was the second phase of building for the gospel, which was the upgrade of the hall out here. But this is the most important and final phase of that building for the gospel. And what has been proposed to church army is that we become what they would call a center of mission. And what that simply means is that people, when we would employ this uh, pioneer community worker, they would train other people who would come from other churches they would train with this person and then they would go back to their own churches wherever they come from. So this would be a center of mission. At the AGM this year we saw in the accounts that there was a, a, a small, well it was large surplus but small in comparison to paying for the cost of hiring a community pastor. But it was as if the Lord was saying, you've been talking about this now for too long, you've been talking and not fishing. And here is a, what I would call a kickstart. Get going with it. And I'm asking you this morning, and I'd ask you to pray with us. Would you join with us in this exciting, I think it's a very exciting move for this church. Would you support us in your prayers? Would you support us in your encouragement? And even with your finance over and above all that we are give, that you're giving. I even asked at the, the AGM, have you ever thought of, of a legacy, leaving a, a legacy to Crinkin and 
you have been the heart and soul of the church and the heart of God's plan for this church while you've been here. But imagine after God calls you home to glory that what because of the legacy you have left, you know that lives will be changed. People will be reached in this lost world because of that legacy that you have given. Friends, the biggest challenge that I'm facing at the minute, and it's a challenge facing many, many citizens in this country, is the cost of housing. That's going to be the biggest cost in bringing a person uh, to this area, is the cost of housing. But, but, I'm not going to focus on that, because the potential is vast. It's a huge harvest field. And it's not just Woodbrook Estate, and it's not going to be, I'm not sure what they're going to probably call it, Shangana Estate. There's many other people in our circles of influence that we need to reach. The potential is vast. It's huge. And nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. Partnership is the great way to work. Partnering with Church Army, partnering with with each of you. Friends, it's a vision worth going for. And there's a verse that's been especially close to the work I do in Fields of Life, and it's a verse that's very close to myself personally, from Isaiah 43, verse 19. And Ali, if you didn't get Ali's um, report at the AGM, you should ask her for it. She will give you a copy of it. But she spoke about green shoots. There's a lot of little green shoots starting to appear. And the Lord says this in Isaiah 43, verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. May God bless each one of you as each one of us continue to be laborers in his harvest field. Do you perceive it? God is making a way. Amen.